You are listening to the In Focus Church podcast. We believe God is going to meet you right where you are today as you listen and dig into His Word. Do you remember the first movie that you ever went to see in the theater? Now, some of you maybe are old enough where it's like, uh, it, it could have been black and white. I don't know, but that's fine. In a multi-generational church, that is possible. Maybe you remember the first time that you walked into the movie theater and you were kind of taken in or awestruck by the, the wonder of the lights and the sounds and the incredible glorious aroma of popcorn. I love popcorn. If you know me, it's like one of my favorite late-night snacks. Not a good one, but it is one of my favorites. Love popcorn. Do you remember the first movie that you ever went to that it was so good that you paid good money, because there was no such thing as a streaming service, but that you paid good money to go back and see it again in the theater? And again. I think the first, and I remember doing this, and I think I actually went five times to see the Raiders of the Lost Ark. That movie, as a, as a kid, I mean, I so desperately wanted to be Indiana Jones. And the closest I think I ever came was Pitfall Harry on my Atari. So, like, none of y'all know that. You don't even know what that is. What is the affinity that we have with movies on the big screen? I mean, there's a myriad of reasons, I believe, but... One of the primary ones is because we innately sense the power of story. We innately sense that because being made in the image of God, we love creativity. We we love it when we see triumph of good over evil. We love it when justice is served. We love it when things that are wrong are made right. We love it when the, the good guys or the good girls, if you will, prevail. We love all of that. And those are actual elements of the grand story that we're all a part of. The grandest narrative of all is that God came to earth as a man to save the ones that he created. The greatest story ever told. And now our meta-narratives are an integral part of that greater redemptive narrative. I think that's why we love stories so much. I think that's why we love movies so much. But sometimes it's hard to imagine, right, that, that your life is playing some sort of major role in this magnificent movie, if you will. It's hard to believe that your life has is, is got something that, that it's a part of that's bigger than you. How does my story fit into that larger story? And it brings that question to every human being's mind. What, what is life for? What is the meaning of life? And, and not so esoteric about what's the meaning of life, but what is the meaning of my life? What's the meaning of my life? Today we're in week one of one of our favorite series around here, it appears, at the movies, yes, there was so much talk about it. I was like, I actually DM'd somebody. This is our favorite. I'm like, no pressure or anything coming back. But there's something about this movie today, Soul, I believe it was released in 2020. And it's a movie that grapples with the big question in a very creative way of what's the meaning of life? 
There's incredible animation on this if you've never seen it before, and the music is phenomenal. And throughout this series, we're going to intersperse scenes from different movies into the message in order to creatively draw out a message maybe not intended by the director. Did you know that I don't have to take what the movie intended by the director? I can actually take what they put and tell you what I believe the creator of all things is wanting us to learn from it. So don't, don't message me or, or at me about, what well, do you know what this movie really means? I don't care what it really means. I'm going to tell you what it means to me and what it should mean to us. And we're going to use that. So we're going to creatively draw out the message, not necessarily intended by the director, but I believe intended by our creator, so that we can learn what God wants to teach us today. So in this first scene, our main character, whose name is Joe, is with the other main character, whose name is 22. 22 is voiced by Tina Fey. Joe is voiced by Jamie Foxx. And so you're going to get the, the little bit of an introduction to them in this scene. So let's watch it. It's my life. Um, excuse me, what's going on here? Banaka breath spray? Cheap cologne? Man, who curated this exhibit? <laughs> you did. This is where it all started. This is the moment where I fell in love with jazz. Listen to that. See, the tune is just an excuse to bring out the you. And that's why I became a jazz musician. Not what we're looking for. Wait, wait, wait. That's not how I remember it going down. I mean, I, I, I'm back when you have something. Sorry, Joe. Sorry, Joe. We're looking for something different. My life was meaningless. My life was meaningless. Have you ever felt that way? Maybe you feel that way right now. Maybe today you're feeling what Joe was feeling as he was looking at the landscape of his life. Did you notice, I don't know if you did or not, but there was a stone monument that he was looking at of him at the laundromat waiting for his clothes to dry. You ever thought about that question? What would the stone monument of your life be? Would it be you sitting in a chair with a remote control in your hand? Would it be working out at the gym? Maybe staring at your mobile device. That's our stone sculpture. But something maybe came to your mind like, I don't know what the stone monument of my life would be. I don't know what I would be remembered for. I don't really feel like my life means something. It feels somewhat insignificant. And listen, I understand that. I know that. I think we've all been there and felt that. But here's the main problem and why we'll oftentimes feel that way. Our meaning and our significance, best put today, our purpose in this life doesn't start with me. It starts with God. If we have responded to the gospel, actually, 1 Corinthians says that our life is no longer our own, but it's been bought with a price. And here's the amazing thing, that God created us, 
right? He created us, and then he had to buy us back. Would you imagine how ridiculous it would be for you to create something and for somebody to steal it and for you to have to go buy it back? And that's what God did through the blood of Jesus. So if we want to know why we're here and what we are to do, it has to start with God. And here is the why and the what of our lives, simply put. We were born by God's purpose and for God's purpose by God's purpose and for God's purpose. Let me read from Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, and this is actually in the message translation. I think it encapsulates and explains what we're saying. We look at this son, Jesus, and we see God's original purpose in everything created. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, Everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. When it comes to your purpose, when it comes to our purpose, it's not about what we do. It's about who we are. Maybe even better put, it's about whose we are. Who do we belong to? Because if you belong to Jesus, then you are now a child of God, and that determines your purpose. And as we're going to talk about a little bit later on, it also determines what you're passionate about. But let's go back to what we do, because we have a hard time differentiating between doing and being. We have a hard time separating what we do from who we are. What we do is important. I'm not going to, it truly is important. That it, meaningful work, God has given us meaningful work to do. That's true. We're to be passionate about something. That's true. We're, we're to have, I would put it this way, a holy discontent about things in the world that are not as they should be and have a desire to see them made right. That is true. But they are not our primary purpose in life. They support or they flesh out our purpose in life. And when we get them mixed up, we set ourselves up for great disappointment and discouragement. But when our passions and our desires and our discontent even is motivated and directed by God because of who we are and whose we are, our lives can be full of purpose and full of power. And yet there is this common problem feeling a sense of meaninglessness when it comes to our purpose. And this is not just a dilemma for the unbeliever. This is not just a dilemma for the atheist like Bertrand Russell, who is a British philosopher and kind of a well-known atheist. He even said, listen, I wish all this religious stuff was true because without it, there is no meaning to life. But it's not. I have had so many conversations, however, with Christians about how they feel purposelessness, dissatisfied because they are not doing something grandiose for the kingdom of God. How they feel like there's some insignificance in their life and they don't really know their purpose because they're not doing something grand and large and big and well-known. We've been conditioned to search for that one big thing to do for God. This is our life's mission. Don't waste your life, John Piper says. Live your best life now, Joel Osteen says. That's what we're conditioned to do. And don't get me wrong, we should have a mission. We should be on mission. That's what we are as the church. We're on mission. But that's not our purpose. It's a passion. It's a desire. It's our mission. But what happens when the mission becomes 
mundane. What happens when, think about Nehemiah, and he's got a mission and a holy discontent and a passion to rebuild the wall, but how many days were just putting a brick on top of another brick? What happens when for some reason or another you can't do what you're passionate about or what you felt like you were born to do? Does all of a sudden your life have no purpose? I'm passionate about singing. All my life I've been passionate about singing. I'm passionate about preaching the word of God. What if I were to lose my voice? Does my life have no meaning? Some of you work 40, 50, 60 hours a week to keep food on the table and the utilities on and everybody in the family supplied and it's easy to think that your routine life couldn't possibly be meaningful and significant in some grand way. It's not really testifying about the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is your life meaningless? Is your life purposeless? No, the answer is unequivocally no. God has a purpose for every life which includes every season of our lives yes you can applaud that today it's true and this is what joe is is figuring out in this whole movie that his passion is not his purpose our dreams and our passions are important and we should have them but they should be directed by god they're not why we exist Joe thought his passion which was jazz was his reason for living this is why I was born and that's how this whole movie is trying to help him figure out that that's not really the case so in this next scene that we're going to look at one of the characters Dez who's the barbershop owner and if you've never been to a barbershop then this probably ain't going to mean a whole lot to you but it should and maybe you ought to go to one one time like this it just would be a whole different experience for you but he helps Joe and 22 understand the distinction between passion and purpose. Now, if you haven't seen the movie, this is going to be a little bit confusing because Joe's going to be speaking with 22's voice because that soul is in Joe right now and Joe's soul is in the cat. So that's just how this goes down. But Joe and 22 are both here in the barbershop, so let's watch. Sometimes change is good. You have been rocking that same style for a while. Well, does for hundreds of years, I've had no style at all. You can say that again. <laughs> you were born to be a barber, weren't you? I wanted to be a veterinarian. So why didn't you do that? I was planning to when I got out of the Navy. Then my daughter got sick. And <laughs> barber school is a lot cheaper than veterinarian school. Well, that's too bad. You're stuck as a barber and now you're unhappy. Whoa, whoa, slow your road here, Joe. I'm happy as a clam, my man. Not everyone can be Charles Drew inventing blood transfusions. Or me, playing piano with Dorothea Williams, I know. <laughs> this reminds me of Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, where it says, Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord and not for people, knowing that it is from the Lord that you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. Remember we said a moment ago we were born by God's purpose, for God's purpose. And many times we can get caught up, so caught up in telling the creator what we think we were created for that we miss out on what God has for us in this life, which is to glorify God. If you want to know what our purpose is, I'll answer that question. I've kind of been leading up to that for this whole lead in, if you will, and it's this. Our purpose is to bring glory to God in all that we do, no matter what we do. 
Our purpose is to bring glory to God in everything, no matter what that thing might be, whether a veterinarian or a barber, whether a pastor or a scientist, whether an educator or an electrician. The questions that should be running through our minds are still the same. Am I bringing glory to God in my actions? Am I bringing glory to God in my words? Am I bringing glory to God in my thoughts that nobody else hears except God? Our starting point is always God. God is the reason for everything, including our purpose. Romans eleven thirty six. 36, for everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Let it be. Amen. We exist by God's power for his glory. That is our purpose right now, right here today. Our purpose is to glorify God both now and forever. We are to reflect the glory of God wherever we are and whatever we may be doing from the most mundane to the most magnanimous. The pinnacle of life is not accomplishing the biggest thing that we could accomplish, even if it's for God in our minds. It's not in wishing our lives away for that something that's bigger and better, saying once I get that, once I receive this, once I'm able to do that with my life, then it will be meaningful. Absolutely not. You have purpose right now. It's not your vocation which brings purpose. It's your salvation that brings purpose. You have a purpose in life now in Christ, I'll say it again, to bring glory to God in all that you do, no matter what you do. On top of that, something maybe that we oftentimes forget is we're not just supposed to bring glory to God in all that we do, but we're also to bring glory to God in the things that we see, things that we see around us in other people and in creation and in life that also bring glory to God because basically the Bible says that all things are speaking about the glory of God, but do we even see it? The majesty in the mundane, the beauty in the most basic, the simplicity in the sovereignty of God, the purpose even in the pain that we go to, are we able to see? Because when we know our true purpose is to bring glory to God, it doesn't have to be your best life now to be a life that is worth living sometimes we're waiting for that to happen and much like Joe you're at the end of your life and you waited for that thing that never came I believe Jesus modeled this type of life perfectly as he was perfect and if we want to know how to bring glory to God with our lives then we look to the one who did it perfectly Jesus and here's what we're going to find here's what we're going to find when we look at the life of Jesus that the glory of God animated everything that Jesus did John 17 4 Jesus said I have brought you glory God on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do the intent of Jesus life the purpose of Jesus life was to bring glory to God the Father that was his purpose we always remember and talk about the miracles of God, and that's uh, incredible. If you read the book of Matthew in the gospel, you'll find that every time God did a miracle in somebody's life, there's these words that followed, and they left glorifying God. 
Why? Because him bringing glory to God caused others to bring glory to God. So like Matthew, just, just go ahead and read it. You want to sometime later this week. You'll see it over and over again. Matthew just says that's how he ends everything that Jesus did miraculously. They left glorifying God. They walked away glorifying God. The crowds glorified God. We remember those miracles in glorifying God, but what about the mundane things in Christ's life? What'd you do today, Jesus? Oh, I just uh, went and sat down in well near Samaria and talked to this lady. That doesn't seem very miraculous. What'd you do today, Jesus? Oh, I just went over to a friend's house, a tax collector guy, just had dinner, spent some time there just talking with him and hanging out. What'd you do today, Jesus? I, actually, I just kind of got alone, went off hid away from all y'all and went and prayed. These are things that all of you do every single day and you don't think twice about how you're glorifying God in the most mundane of things that Jesus himself did. Things that we would consider mundane. They're not our passion, no big deal. And yet our purpose is still the same, to bring glory to God in all that I do, no matter what I do. Jesus' intent of his life. The purpose of his life was to bring glory to God in all that he did. Sitting by a well in a conversation or feeding thousands of people on a countryside. The intent of his death was to bring glory to God. Oh, wow, how could you glorify God? He said so himself that he was his, his whole life and even his death that I'm going to bring glory to your name through my death, Father. And then Jesus did this. He informed us that this is how we're going to live. This is going to be our purpose. Now it's our turn. He said as much in John when he said, this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit. What? To bring glory to God. That's the purpose of our life. And how are we going to do that? That we would bear much fruit, showing ourselves to be God's disciples. Showing ourselves to be disciples of Jesus Christ. This is the point. You can never find your true purpose apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can be passionate about things. You can feel like you have purpose in life. You can do some grand things that everybody else recognizes and that you know that you were born to do. But if glorifying God is not the impetus that birthed it, if it's not the power that sustains it, if it's not the ultimate goal of why you're doing it, then you've missed the target and we're wasting our life. That doesn't mean that good things aren't done. It doesn't mean that we don't create things and invent things and do things that are meaningful in life, but as far as its eternal purpose and what you were created for, which is to bring glory to God, then it's a waste. But if the good news is in Christ... We, the church, fulfill our created intent or purpose in the image of God by displaying his value to the world. Jesus lived his life completely dedicated to the glory of his Father, and now we're to live dedicated to the glory of God. And to do so, we do it in the name of Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Again, I'll read Colossians 3.17, this time from the NIV. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Jesus was the ultimate human, the very image of the invisible God, Colossians says, modeled for us what we were created to be and do, to display God's glory and to make him known. 
Our highest human calling, our greatest purpose is to display and reflect God's glory by becoming increasingly conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. The original destiny of humanity to fill the earth with the glory of God is being manifested in the gospel and our growing likeness in Jesus. The more we're conformed to the image of Christ, the more we display him to the world in even the smallest of ways, even in the most mundane of conversations, whether it's something we're passionate about or not, the more we fulfill our great purpose for which we were made. So if it's seemingly that simple, why are we not being more passionate about our purpose? Why are there not more Christians living a purpose-filled life? Why do we wish away the moment looking for something more? Because nothing that glorifies God, here's my answer to that question, nothing that glorifies God comes without opposition. Nothing that glorifies God comes without a fight. One of the main reasons, I think, is that our own insecurities and the insecurities that were propped up by our own inner voices, they're also exacerbated by the discouraging voices of other people that tell us what we're not or what we are. Not to mention Satan's continuous strategies to destroy our lives through his lies and deception. There's this one scene we're not going to show today, but Joe chases after 22 who is a lost soul at this point in the movie, trapped inside her own insecurities. 22 is crying and repeating to herself all the lies that she's believed and heard her whole life about herself and that she's heard from others. I'm not good enough. You're dishonest. Nobody wants you. All you do is make bad decisions. You won't make it in the world. You're selfish. No one would ever want to be around you. You're a loser. You're the least remarkable soul I have ever met. You have no purpose. Maybe you've had or you're currently having voices like that in your life. Maybe they're internal. Maybe they're external. And whether they're inside or outside, I want you to know those are lying voices. They're lying voices, and the voice that you need to hear is the one who calms not just the natural storms, but even the storms of our minds and our souls. The one who says, peace, be still. The one who says, you are my child. The one who says, you're my son, you're my daughter, and I do have a purpose for your life, and it's a good one, and it's a plan to prosper you and not to harm you. That's what you need to hear. I know this because it's what God's word says about us. And then when it comes to Satan, our enemy, we should know by now that all he wants to do is steal, kill, and destroy anything and everything that God loves. And that includes all of you because God loves you. And one of his common strategies as a thief and a murderer is stealing truth from your mind and murdering your soul. Stealing truth from your mind and killing your emotions. One of his common strategies is to fixate our minds on thoughts like, my life is purposeless. My life is meaningless. God would never use me. Or as a believer, I'm just wasting my life. How come I'm not doing something grand for his name? Why can't I do this? Why can't I do something great for God? Why can't people notice who I am and what I'm doing? I'm such a loser. I have no purpose. And Satan doesn't even care if you believe it as long as you fixate on it. He doesn't even care if you really believe it. He just wants you to be thinking about it all the time and not renewing your mind like the Word of God tells us to do so that we can't be who God's called us to be and then consequently and subsequently do what God's called us to do. Let me just fixate on the lies. 
And he wants to steal every vestige of confidence that God is wise and good and glorious and kind and merciful and just. And that everything that God is doing is working together for his great purpose and ultimately for your good if your heart belongs to him. He doesn't want you to believe that. He doesn't want you to know there's both purpose in God's power and in your pain. He doesn't want you to know that there is purpose in winning in life and waiting in life. He doesn't want you to know that there is purpose in health and there's also purpose in sickness. The meaning of life and our purpose according to God's word is to know God as he really is and to enjoy him and all that he is for us in Christ. That's the Westminster Catechism, if you will. And to reflect his light that he has shown us in Christ to a dark world around us who desperately needs to see that light wherever we are. Jesus, the Son of God, died in our place that we might know God and enjoy God in spite of our sin. And then one day we would see him and know him perfectly forever. I'll say it again. To bring glory to God in all that you do, no matter what you do, is our purpose. To elaborate, our purpose is to know God, to enjoy God, and to reflect some of the beauty of God as we know him in Christ to others around us until one day we see him perfectly and enjoy him forever. That's our purpose. I'll tell you what our purpose in life isn't, which many times we can tell ourselves it is, even in the Christian world. Our purpose in life in this world is not comfort now. Our purpose in life is not escaping suffering now. Our purpose in life is not the avoidance of loss now. It's not the indulgence and the maximizing of pleasure now. It's not the amassing of riches now. It's not the achievement of some grand thing right now or fame. It's not the right to any health right now. It's not that we would be treated with respect or even justice right now. Those things are not the meaning of life in this age for God's people. Why? Because once sin entered the world, everything fell apart, literally. Chaos entered. Everything was corrupted. That's why the incorruptible Jesus had to come. But when God's saving purposes began to rescue people from sin through Christ and the glorious and beautiful purposes of this creation began to be redeemed and then one day it's going to culminate in a time when Christ is going to return and there's going to be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more fear, no more sickness and that's what the scripture calls the hope of glory. That we will glorify God forever. And right now, even in the midst of what we go through, we have the hope that we can glorify God now because we're going to glorify him forever. That's the hope of glory. Our work and our aspirations, even our passions, can never fulfill us the way we were designed to be fulfilled. We have to stop identifying ourselves with one singular passion or idea or one grand life goal. Even those God-given passions can become idols in our lives instead of ways to bring glory to God in our lives if we're not careful. Instead, we commit ourselves to bringing glory to God in every conversation, every meal, every workspace, every school that we're a part of. We commit ourselves to bringing the passion that we have for Jesus into every area of our mundane lives. And in so doing, we, would, we experience what it means to be alive and human and belong to God and designed for his purposes. Let's watch the last clip for this morning.
powerful. Don't miss this today. We live in a culture that's going to tell you constantly to seek and find meaning in the next big thing in life. And if we fall for that dangling carrot, everything will continually feel meaningless as we jump on this vicious treadmill of trying to find our purpose and satisfaction in something other than who we are in Christ. We can miss out on the glory of God all around us and the life God put before us. Like Joe, we could get fixated on the idea we were born to do something while missing all the amazing things that God is doing in and through and around our lives for his glory at all times. We can miss the majesty of God in the mundane. We can miss the beauty of God in the simple things in life. Oh, that we would have our eyes opened to see the glory of God in all things. Let's look to Jesus again and I'll close because he exemplified this for us. Jesus came to show us how to be human with all the ups and downs, how to love God and our neighbor, how to bless friends and enemies, how to care for the hurting and the needy among us, how to fight for justice and against oppression, how to be interrupted, how to listen, how to be non-anxious, how to be satisfied, how to be cheered and celebrated one moment, and how to be betrayed and mutilated another. And yet all he did for the glory of God. And in picking up our crosses daily, we follow his lead. Ultimately, here's what you're going to find. And this is my encouragement to you today, even as myself and a few others were praying for our campuses and our students this week, praying for God to do something miraculous in drawing people to himself this week. What's going to happen is when we live for the glory of God that our light in our life is going to shine and other people are going to notice. Ultimately, you'll see that your purpose isn't just to bring glory to God for yourself and your good, but to affect the lives of others. Just like Joe passing on his love to his jazz students that he began to see in that last musical montage. Jesus told us to pass something along as well. I'll read it, Matthew 5. You are the light of the world, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl instead they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven in focus let's bring glory to God by worshiping him with our whole lives let's bring glory to God by loving other believers well Let's bring glory to God by loving the lost and seeing them, as we heard last week, with compassion. Let's glorify God by being one in spirit as a diverse but reconciled and unified body of Christ right here in the middle of Evans. Let's bring glory to God by serving others. Let's bring glory to God in the little things and the big things. Let's bring glory to God in the well side conversations and in preaching to the masses. Let's bring glory to God in our living so that others can bring glory to God in this life and in the life to come. You have been listening to the In Focus Church podcast. We hope God met you right where you're at today. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a rating wherever you're listening from and visit infocuschurch.org for more on all that's going on in the life of our church.